You're listening to Smashing 50, the health, fitness and personal development podcast for middle-aged men. Hello there, Mike here from Smashing 50 and this particular episode is all about injury prevention, especially for those people who are getting back into running, for those people who are training for a a 5k or a 10k uh, specifically if you're taking part in my 10k hero challenge uh, and you're going from uh, just starting out running um, to 10 kilometers over 10 weeks then there is a a small chance that uh, you might pick up a niggle or a little injury along the way uh, but there are specific things that you can do to reduce your, your chances of getting injured. And so I'm talking today with Chris O'Brien from theconfidentrunner.com. He's a running coach, uh, an endurance specialist. And uh, so, Chris, thanks for joining me uh, today. And let's talk about um, injury prevention and how uh, new runners in particular can stay injury free. Yeah, of course. And. Um- that's really important, particularly when we have new runners or we have runners coming back from a long layoff, is the potential for injury is a lot higher than someone who's been running consistently for a period of time. And when we look at Couch to 5K programs, for example, we see that somewhere between a third and a half the people who start those programs drop out through injury. So it's really important to pay attention as to why that happens. Now, you may have heard or read about certain things that cause uh, injuries in running, but actually there's only one particular cause, and that cause is overuse, what we used to call overtraining. But actually overuse is a much better way of putting it. And we can add a bit of clarity to that kind of rather broad brush statement and say that overuse is composed of five variables that if they're not applied in the correct um, ratio, if you like, then this is what leads to, to, to injury. So we don't have, for example, force intensity. We have the speed that that force is applied. We have the duration that that force is being applied for. We have the frequency and we have the period of time over which that force is being applied for. Okay, so we can kind of get an idea of how this works by pressing your finger onto your thigh. So if you press hard once, um, then that's, that's the force intensity. So how hard you press is force intensity, how quickly you apply the pressure, whether that's an immediate press, uh, push or whether that's a gradual push as you go through, that's the speed of the force application. How long you hold that press for is the duration. How many times you repeat that press, so for example, how many times in a minute you would repeat pressing your thigh, that's the frequency. And then how many sets? So if you think about reps and sets, how many sets do you do over a set period of time? So if you only pressed once, then your thigh is likely to recover quite quickly. However, once you start playing about with those five variables, you can affect the impact on the tissues and you can impact the effect that you have on your recovery. So if you press it quite hard 100 times in a minute and you do that, once uh, for one minute every 30 minutes in the same place, you will find that it gets quite sore relatively quickly. So it'll be sore to the touch and actually it will be quite hard to press it down without it being, being painful. So it could be if you carried on ignoring that pain that you end up doing significant damage to the, the, the tissue in your, in your thigh and probably your finger as well. So that gives us an idea of how you can apply those variables. 
Now, it's exactly the same when you're running. So when you're running, the amount of force that your body has to handle is between three and seven times your body weight. Now, those numbers vary because partly to do with the different models that the researchers used, but also down to your efficiency. And if you're a new runner or a runner coming back, then it's likely that your efficiency is less, particularly if you've not done much other exercise outside of this. So if you're coming into this challenge and you've not done much moving about, then your body's not used to the amount of force that's being put on there. And maybe your running form, your running style technique, which we'll go on to talk about, is not as good as it could be. So you're not very efficient. So if we look to, say, an 80 kilogram runner, so that's 176 pounds or 12 and a half stone, and you look at an average of, say, four times your body weight going through as you run, then that's 320 kilos or 704 pounds or 50 stone that is going through your body every single step that you take when you're running. Okay, and that's actually being channeled through one leg. Um, and there's a whole force transmission across your hips as well. So that's a lot of force. And if you think about that over a 5K or over a 10K, which is where um, we'll get with the 10K challenge, that's an awful lot of accumulative stress. And we need to be thinking about that. And this is why we get injuries, because we have an adaptation process. So the kind of tissues that I'm talking about are things like skin, muscles, those connective tissues, tendons, ligaments, fascia, cartilage, and of course, bone. And all of these tissues have different properties to their resistance to force. And some of those forces are things like compression, where we push it together, or tension, where we pull it apart, as in stretching. And this is sometimes why stretching is not the right solution, because we're applying a force to those tissues. Um, we have um, shearing, where we, we're pulling it apart, so we're put, putting it in opposite directions across the way. Uh, we have bending, and then we have torsion, which is twisting. Now, we're really lucky because your body is amazing at handling these forces and it's amazing at, at adapting these forces. But when, particularly when you're new to running, it's a bit of a shock. So it has to adapt. So we have to give it time uh, to adapt to these things. And that adaptation process happens and, uh, through two things that you need. So you need a stimulus and then you need a recovery. So the stimulus is the load. So... If we're new to running, it's enough that that's the run or the walk run that we're doing, okay? And we can easily overload by doing too much. So, and then the recovery is the period of time between the efforts that we're allowing the adaptation, adaptation process to happen. So if we were to look at this in terms of a process, so we have a force that's applied, so a higher force than the muscles or that tissue is currently used to, that provides a stimulus, excuse me, and that will cause micro tears in that tissue. It also causes some neurological changes. So, for example, your brain and your nervous system are efficiency monitoring monsters. Your brain is an energy hog, so it will find a way of getting the energy to the brain rather than anywhere else. So if it can find a less energetic way of doing something, then it will. So ordinarily, you only recruit as many muscle fibers as you absolutely need for an activity. So that leaves a lot of muscle fibers that aren't ever recruited. So a very fast reaction to an overload is recruiting more of your existing muscle fibers to handle that force next, next time around. And then we move on to phase one of the repair process, which is inflammation. 
which under normal circumstances isn't really noticeable and that can last for three days while some of the preparations for the actual next stage of the repair are being made, such as the production of collagen. Then we have phase two, which can last up to six weeks, where these collagen fibers are being bundled up. And then phase three is modeling those into new um, fibers and they organize and they mature. Um, with a serious injury, that can last up to three years, but ordinarily it lasts about a year. Of course, we're always using our muscles and our, and our tissues in between that, but this is happening all the time. So we can see, though, that if you overload it, you interfere with this process because you break it down before it has a chance to get to a point where it allows you to uh, use it again and adapt. So a scenario that most of us will understand is doing strength work at the gym. So you lift some weights at the gym that are heavier than normal. You go away and recover. The next time you come back, you're a little bit stronger. And that's adaptation. So those strength gains within the first few weeks are mainly down to those neurological changes, the recruitment of more of those muscle fibers, because it actually takes about six weeks for that physical change to happen. And it's exactly the same with running. So when you do, when you go out and do a run, the physical benefits in terms of muscular adaptation or tissue adaptation will take about six weeks, but the neurological changes will happen sooner. So if you do too much too soon, then you interfere with that process and you're providing too much stimulus and the repair process can't keep up with that. Okay, so with that, you've got to also look at everything else that you're doing in your life. So if you are, for example, doing three or four runs a week, you're also doing two hit sessions, you're going for long dog walks, you think I'll lift some weights, because many of us, when we start an exercise program, try and go all in. So we do, okay, I'm going to do this, and I'll do this, this, and this to complement it all. But then your overall force intensity is too much for your tissues, and that's where you can run into uh, a lot of these problems. And most running injuries will come from this progressive overload that's, that's not had enough recovery. So it can take you know, weeks or months or even years. So you can have runners who've been running for five or six years without any injuries, but it's been creeping up in the background and they just get to a point where their tissue just gives up. Uh, and with new runners, it tends to happen much earlier because they try and do too much too soon. So it's very important for um, your runners, Mike, and on this challenge to follow the program and to not think, not to jump ahead on the plan so that they can um, make sure that their tissues are adapting to the load they're putting on it, particularly if they haven't done much activity, say, outside. So the kind of the main takeaways uh, uh, in this is that the magic happens in the recovery. So things like sleep quality will affect our ability to repair and adapt to those forces. Work and life stress, for example, will contribute to our ability to recover and repair and adapt. So if you're running around like a lunatic trying to fit everything in, you're not getting good quality sleep, you're perhaps your nutrition isn't very good, perhaps your alcohol consumption is quite high, then these things all interfere with your ability to adapt to that uh, running that you're doing throughout this challenge. So it's a good idea just to tidy up some of those areas as well. Um, so the magic happens in recovery. Your effort provides the stimulus and the recovery provides the adaptation. And you have to really be aware of all the activity in a week 
and the potential impact that that recovery can have on your adaptation. Wow. <laughs> that is a, a very scientific approach, but really interesting as well. And um, I know you were saying that, that there is a, a particular amount of load bear that you can take. Did you say between three and seven times your body weight, was it? Yeah, well, that, that's how much we'll put through. We might not be able to handle that, mm-hmm. but that's how much when you're running you, you'll generate in terms of the amount of force that's coming through your body. So how do you know how much you can tolerate? Is it purely because you will feel the, the impact or is there a way that you yeah. can monitor that in any way? Well, that, and, and that's, that, becomes, that becomes quite difficult. And this is where it's really, really important to learn how to listen to the feedback from your, your body. Okay. And when I coach people, this is, this is what I'm trying to get them to understand. Your body is very good at giving you feedback. So if we take um, niggles and pain, which runners are very uh, commonly get, uh, particularly once you start to overload, your nervous system will normally warn you before anything serious happens. Okay, that's part of its job is, is, is to, to warn you. And it does that by producing pain or aches. And you should always pay attention to that. So it's a little bit like the warning light on the dashboard of your car. So a little engine management light comes on on the dashboard of your car. And quite often you you might just ignore it and say, oh, it's fine. It'll wait till the next service. I'm not going to do anything about it. And you ignore it and you ignore it. And another little warning light comes on and you ignore it and you ignore it. Um, and I remember my dad doing this in one of the cars he had, he actually cut out a little bit of paper and stuck it over over the engine management light. <laughs> and several weeks later, the whole engine just stopped because there was something seriously wrong with it. He just never dealt with it. And it's exactly the same. So pain is that same thing. So pain is there to be taken um, notice of. So if you're getting niggles and getting injuries, particularly along this challenge, if you feel like you're doing too much at any one time, you're overloading too much, then notice those pains and niggles. They don't necessarily need to stop you, but they should bring your attention to it. And you say, okay, why might that be? Could I be going, could I be changing some of what I'm doing? So could I be uh, running on a different surface, for example? Do I need to speak to somebody about the kit that I'm wearing? You know, am I using shoes the last time I went for a run 15 years ago? And I see that quite often, people who come back to running, they've got the same kit that they wore a long time ago and even if you're not running in running shoes the foam will degrade over time because it just does um so there are there are lots of little things that if you're getting some pain you just pay attention to that pain and it may be that that load is too much and so instead of as you're going through the plan change some of those runs to run walk there's nothing wrong with run walk uh, run walk is a very good way of adaptation you could also, a strategy you could also use, if you find you're getting a little bit of pain that comes on after a certain amount of time, so let's just say one of those runs is a, uh, once you get up to that stage, a 5K run, but you feel that the pain is coming on around about three kilometers, then if you've got time, you can split that run down into two runs. So you run the first half, say in the morning if you're able to, into two, two, just before that pain comes on, so say two and a half kilometers in the morning and do two and a half kilometers later in the evening. So you're allowing your muscles to adapt to a slightly lower intensity, but you're doing it on the same day, so you're building it into two sessions, but you're not breaking over that threshold. And you do that for you know a couple of runs, and then you, you start to lengthen 
the morning one short and the evening one till you get to that distance. I had exactly the same thing. Um, I think it was last year when I was doing the Miles for Mind in May. Uh, no, two years ago it would have been, um, 2019, when I was doing Miles for Mind. I was going for 50 miles in the month of May and I hadn't really done much running before that. Um, it was a, something I was using as stimulus to get my miles back up. And I think around about two kilometres in, every time when I got to the same point, because I was doing the same route, I had this problem kick in right under my right knee. And it was always about the same point. Um, in the end, I ended up just uh, quitting and then just I had to rest. I, I literally couldn't run more than th those two kilometres. Instead of doing shorter runs, I just stopped completely. Whereas perhaps what I could have done is split those runs into shorter runs to uh, yeah, make, to make that a little bit easier on the load. Yes, absolutely. That, and that, that's, that's a good way of, of being able to do that, to, to split it down into slightly shorter runs. Uh, there are other things that you can look at as well. Uh, can you do some complementary movement, for example? So whenever you get pain, there's a reason for that pain. And pain is, is, is an output. And so there's always some kind of driver or input that's going in uh, that your brain doesn't like or your nervous system doesn't like. So it produces pain to help you change your behavior. That's what pain is there for. Okay, so it's a, it's a natural inbuilt behavior change mechanism. So look at, and this is where running technique com, comes in partly as well, and other things like the shoes, etc. But also um, look at movement. If, if, you, if, if you've not done anything for a long time and you're coming into this challenge after really being a sofa surfer for, you know, the last few years, you don't move much other than your, your normal daily life then it could well be that you're just not moving well enough and your brain sees that as a threat. And so it will introduce pain to try and get you to change that behavior. So one of the good ways and, and an area that I work a lot in, most of my work is in uh, remapping uh, those movement uh, skills to enable people to run better. So things like if you've not got very good balance, if you've not got very good movement, if you can't stop, so if you can't uh, uh, decelerate, for example, your brain will not allow you to put yourself in a position where that's a problem. So uh, it will introduce pain to reduce distance if your balance is not good enough and it, it doesn't think you can maintain that over, say, 3K or 4K or 5K. Um, if you're holding yourself, if your posture perhaps isn't, you know, it, it, a lot of uh, runners who have never done core work um, or, or who perhaps are not as fit as they could be uh, will, will stoop down because they get tired, muscularly tired. That poses a threat because your brain doesn't like your head to be on the ground. So these things will change how you run. So it's looking at, at movement and some, some quite simple things you can do with movement. The first thing is just move more. Go Try and go through full ranges of movement in all your joints. Uh, on my website, I have uh, a hip program. The hips for me are incredibly important. The hips are a force transference area of your body. So as you as you walk and run, you'll have force that will come up, uh, up from your heel all the way up that leg, and then it will transfer across at the hip, and then it will go all the way up to the opposite shoulder and opposite head. So you can have, for example, um, an issue where you have an, an issue somewhere 
on the leg that you're striking the ground with, and that can transfer to jaw pain, for example. Okay, mm-hmm. and that can be down to your hips and not transferring the force properly, or it can be somewhere else in the chain. So hips to me are really, really important. So your hips need to be moving properly. So I have a hip mobility uh, uh, course on my website, and that also integrates running form, a little bit of running technique drills to help you to move in a running specific way, because that's also important as well. So general movement is, is really, really good, but then being able to run in a, a uh, move in a way that's appropriate to the sport you're doing is also very important. You're listening to Smashing 50, the health, fitness and personal development podcast for middle-aged men. 